to the comfort of your own home or car or wherever it is you're listening from. My name is Hannah Purdyman, and I'm here with my father, Kevin Purdyman, to discuss some of the most famous and infamous murders that took place in the medieval and early modern periods. Medieval Murder came to be first as a blog, then as an Instagram, and now as a podcast, after I finished my master's dissertation on homicide in early medieval England. The podcast will feature some of the most famous murders in medieval history, some mini-episode series on different types of medieval murders, and interviews with historians and history enthusiasts alike. Today, we will be talking about the werewolf epidemic that swept through Western Europe during the late Middle Ages and early modern period. In the present day, in general, society looks back at the Middle Ages and sees things like a belief in witchcraft, werewolves, and even sea monsters as confusing and even childish. How could they have truly believed in any of this? That is what this podcast will be discussing, the truth behind the legends. You know, we kind of look at it and go, how could they believe any of this? But today we have people that believe in aliens, Bigfoot, flat earth theory. So I don't think we should be throwing any stones at them. That, that's really fair. That's true. In the 13th and 14th centuries, Christianity had brought forth a more widespread belief in God and the devil. Medieval authorities were still executing people for witchcraft, but a different form of the witchcraft than we think of today. Instead of flying broomsticks, the witchcraft of the Middle Ages was causing harm through occult means. This was known as maleficium in Latin, which translates today to mischief. So authorities were persecuting individuals for their crimes of maleficium, not necessarily because they thought they were our stereotypical version of witches today. So that being said, I know we're talking about werewolves today, but like, what what kind of mischief were they creating? What what was considered witchery and why? So the witchery that I've looked at specifically has been cursing people to death, cursing a situation. It could be using um, their agreement with the devil to unlock doors, to kill people, that kind of thing. So is there any, did you find any substantiated truth behind any of it? Well, we'll kind of look at that today where, you know, serial killer, werewolf, witch, old cranky woman, you know, that kind of situation. Okay. Yeah. The concept of a werewolf was thought of in a similar fashion to witches as they were being influenced by Satan to commit wrongdoings. However, throughout the Middle Ages, many, including priests, physicians, and monks, believed that lycanthropy, becoming a werewolf, was actually a form of madness or mental illness. Paul of Agena, a Byzantine physician, wrote, Those suffering from lycanthropy go out during the night imitating wolves in all things and lingering about tombs until morning. You may recognize these, person, these persons by these marks. They are pale, their vision feeble, their eyes dry, tongue very dry, and the flow of the saliva stopped. But they are thirsty, and their legs have incurable ulcerations from frequent falls. Such are the symptoms of the disease. You must know that lycanthropy is a species of melancholy. So, in, at this time, I mean, what they're kind of describing is 
a party animal. How much how much alcohol was was going on at this time in history? So water wasn't necessary necessarily sterile or safe to drink at all times so instead they would drink beer beer had gone through the um fermenting process yes the fermenting process and whiskey had gone through the distillation process and so they were safe to drink so a lot of times instead of water people were drinking kind of a, a more watered down beer okay so so rampant be, alcohol. <laughs> so we had rampant alcohol, maybe combined with mental illness. It would explain some of those frequent those falls and stuff. But anyway, so, but they did, what, what, what's it called? Lycan? Lycanthropy. So they did believe in it to a certain extent. Some people did, others believed it was a mental illness. The people who claimed to be werewolves supposedly believed in it. Okay. Yeah. So between 1450 and 1650, there was a sort of werewolf epidemic in Europe, similar to the witch hunts of the same period, although on a much smaller scale. During this period, there were at least 300 werewolf trials throughout Western Europe, compared to the tens of thousands of witch trials. Wait, tens of thousands of witch trials? Yes. In the same 200-year period, or did the... Yeah, about then, yeah. Things like popping in my mind is like, okay, how many people were living in Europe at that time? What's the population? And so what? It's like one in ten a witch or one in five? I don't know. Interesting. I'm not sure. Yeah. We'll have to look into that in the future. So of these 300 werewolf trials, most of them were located in France and Germany. And so these can be argued to have truly just been trials of medieval and early modern serial killers. So here are some of the stories of serial killer werewolves. Now, I'm assuming that I know Germany had some really big pine forests mm -hmm. at the time, and so did France. Yes. So we're talking about maybe a little bit different landscape than we might be seeing today. Yes, that's very true. Okay. Yeah. In the late 16th century, Peter Stubb was a resident of Bedburg, Germany. Peter was a friendly face within the community and would check in with his neighbors and friends on a regular basis. While reports from after his arrest point to him being greatly inclined to evil throughout his youth and that he had given both his soul and body to the devil, this was most likely untrue as he had been an upstanding member of society, or so they thought. In 1589, Stubb was accused of making a deal with the devil to transform himself into a werewolf. In truth, Stubb was arrested for the rape, murder, and cannibalization of 18 victims, including two pregnant women. So, did people see him in the form of a werewolf? So, some people said they saw kind of a werewolf form, but not necessarily. Okay, now, is he the one that, like, that was, when he went to trial, he's like, I was a werewolf, I can't be responsible, or... I don't know if he said he couldn't be responsible, but he did He did claim that he was a werewolf. But 18 people? 18 people. And two pregnant women? Yeah. And he ate some of them? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it's a bad time. So the 16th century report of Stubbs' crimes claims that through his pact with the devil, he was given a magic belt that would transform it transform him into a werewolf so he could more easily murder and eat his victims. 
Stubb was seen escaping from his last murder by two hunters who apparently saw him in his human form because he had slipped the belt off during his attempted escape. Stubb was apprehended by the hunters and taken to the town magistrates. So did they find a belt? Any indication of that? No, I don't think they found a belt. That would be an interesting relic for a museum. Yeah, werewolf belt. Werewolf belt. But getting back to the cannibalism, I mean, you know, every every throughout history there's like different standards. Was that something that was kind of that went on that was accepted? No, okay. no, cannibalism cannibalism was more was kind of that mortal sin. You shouldn't you shouldn't be eating human flesh, even like skin picking and eating that, that, that was, that was a sin as well. Okay. Yeah. So on October 18th, 1589, Peter Stubb was executed. His body was laid on a breaking wheel and in 10 places, his flesh was pulled from his bones with red hot metal pinchers. His arms and legs were then broken with a hatchet and his head was struck from his body. They then burned him. Now on the punishment, I mean, it seems like life is pretty pretty cheap then. I mean, we've got yeah. 18 people killed, and now the punishment were... I mean, that's a terrible... That's a terrible death. That, that's a terrible death, you know, compared to what we see, you know, maybe life in prison, maybe death row here today. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, so... What was the value of life in the middle of ages? I don't know. Okay. Oh. That just seems it just seems interesting to me. I mean, we really today we really want to give people their rights and respect them. And this guy, he obviously I didn't mean, re respect anybody, so he killed eighteen people, and yeah. then they put him on a wheel and broke red, it. Yeah, red hot metal pinchers. I mean, that that would be a deterrent for me, man. Well, and I mean. They, di they didn't want to let him continue to murder and cannibalize these people, so it's easier just to kill him. Yeah, but it's a pretty... Is it? Yeah. It's a pretty intense way to go. It is. So, okay, sorry about that. Yeah. A little over 60 years earlier, in France, two men were also accused of being werewolves, Pierre Burgot and, Mer and Michel Verdun, who were known as the werewolves of polygamy. It was claimed that they had also made a deal with the devil so that they could transform into werewolves and indulge in their homicidal tendencies. Supposedly, the pair killed a woman who was in her garden, a four-year-old girl who they later ate, and two other young girls whose blood they drank. Both men were arrested and executed in 1521 for their crimes. That's crazy. Yeah. Another man, Jacques Roulet, was arrested after murdering and cannibalizing a 15-year-old boy outside of Angers, France. Unlike the previous werewolf stories, during his trial, Roulet claimed he used a magical ointment to transform into the murderous beast. He also confessed to the murder of several children and adults. Roulet was originally sentenced to death, but in 1599 he pleaded insanity, which was accepted by the French Parliament. So were these... Guys, like, self-proclaimed, anybody see them as a werewolf, or...? I don't think anybody saw them, but they were self-proclaimed. They confessed to being a werewolf. And he, he used that to claim insanity, whereas the other guys were like, we were werewolves, and that was it. No, no oh. insanity claim there. Okay, yeah, because we've got the guy saying it's a form of mental illness earlier. Mm -hmm. Got it, okay. It's, um, 
Well, I think to do some of these crimes that we're talking about, you know, murdering, eating people, you probably aren't in the within the normal range of mental facilities. No, I don't. I don't think so. I think you know, cannibalizing eighteen people is probably not the norm, mental health wise. No, let's hope not. No. A more well-known story of a werewolf was the Beast of Jevodon. This happened much later in history, after the medieval period, between 1765 and 1767. Jevodon was a rural region in the south of France. What makes this story stand out from the others, however, was that the beast may actually have been a wolf, not a man. In May of 1764, the Beast of Jevodon made his attack on a young girl tending to a herd of cattle. The girl was unhurt, but described the beast as like a wolf, yet not a wolf. On June 30th, just a month later, the beast committed his first fatal attack on a 14-year-old sheep shepherdess. Throughout the rest of the summer, the beast attacked and ate many young women and a few young adult men. Many hunters attempted to catch the beast, but to no avail. In January of 1765, a young boy, Jacques Portefey, was attacked by the wolf-like beast but he and his friends fought it off until it retreated back into the forest. King Louis XV heard of the boy's bravery. King Louis XV heard of the boy's bravery and rewarded him with a funded education. The king then sent hunters into the woods to catch and kill the beast. In the late summer of 1765, a large wolf was shot and killed in the Jevadon region that was believed to be the beast. The wolf was stuffed and sent to the royal court in celebration. However, not long after, the attack started again. The attacks continued throughout the year until the next summer, when another wolf was shot and killed. This time, human remains were found inside the wolf, and the animal had non-wolf-like features, as his first victim had described. After its death, the attack stopped, but no one knows whether it was truly a wolf or a werewolf. So, some historians have argued that the beast may have been a Eurasian wolf, a dog hybrid, a hyena, or even a lion. Others have argued that it was actually a serial killer, not an animal at all, that committed the attacks as most of its victims were decapitated, and animals don't usually decapitate. Unfortunately, we will never know. So it could have been a wolf, some sort of animal, could have been a person, mm-hmm. or there could be another answer where it's a person working with a wolf where they came upon the bodies and then decapitated them for their own pleasure or whatever. That would be weird. Yeah, yeah. That would be a weird situation. But, you know, all this stuff, I mean, I got to thinking about it, and we don't have truly darkness where we live. If, you, if you're listening to this podcast, it's very doubtful that you have true, true darkness. Where and light, not, not like darkness in your soul, like darkness in the area yeah well, i'm talking about darkness like if you walk out of your house at night there's going to be some light mm-hmm. you know and what i'm thinking about is is you know these are for some of these are forested areas you know it's dark i mean like you know iceland at a certain point um probably scotland england that their hours of daylight at certain times of the year may be two mm-hmm. maybe four may six and the rest yeah. of the time, it's dark. And the way they're lighting these things is with fire, which flickers and leaves shadows. So I could see where 
you know, werewolves. Yeah. You know, a guy may look kind of like wolf-like in the right shadow moving well, through you, the street. You, you find know? a massacred body and a shadowy figure, you're probably like, oh my God. Yeah, so I wonder how much light plays into some of these legends that we, we talk about where they actually, people can't see really well. And, you know, if they're using a torch to look for stuff, that really kind of flickers. Think about when you're sitting by a fire at a campsite and, you know, there's there's stuff out in the woods that I see sometimes that in there. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's true. You know, so I wonder how much that plays into it. And they had something to consider when we're talking some of these medieval myths, especially when, you know, like the werewolf was mostly operating at night, mm-hmm. you know, and in graveyards and in different places where they're spotted. So, yeah. I, yeah, I, creepy I, I, feelings all around. Yeah, I could see where where that kind of plays into it. And I could see why they believe these things. Yeah. You know, I mean. That's in, a good point. You know, in absence of um, proof it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I think all interesting, you know, I think just for the record, I think werewolves probably did exist, at oh. least in people's mind. Oh, okay. okay. You know, but I think they saw enough, just like I believe, I believe in the Yeti, I believe in Sasquatch, you know, <laughs> don't laugh at me. They're out there. We are not okay. alone. Yeah. All right. So thank you for listening to Medieval Murder. If you have any listener questions, comments, or topic suggestions, please feel free to reach out via our Twitter account, at Murder Medieval, our Instagram account, at Medieval Murder, or via email at info.medievalmurder at gmail.com. And if any of you are interested in rocking some Medieval Murder merchandise, take a look at our website, medievalmurder.org. Tune in in two weeks for our next podcast. (laughs) 